0: Welcome to the Driven Young Podcast with Byron Dempsey, dedicated to educating and inspiring the younger generation around entrepreneurship and practical life skills we aren't taught in school. Created for young people who seek direction in establishing their goals and passions. This podcast provides a platform for discussing the steps taken by professionals in their field related to handling finances, making money online, starting a business, growing a network and
1: money. Much more. And now, your host, Byron Dempsey. I have a very different topic to cover today, but it's something that is super important and we should understand from a young age. Today's guest is a naturopath, nutritionist, author, mother, and host of the Shift podcast. She is passionate about helping other humans to live a passionate and inspired life. She's also the creator of Shift, where she helps patients worldwide to shift their health and their lives pushing the boundaries of what the norm in healthcare is and today we are talking all things health related from a young age and how being aware of the importance of health early on could prolong your lifespan by a decade easily so many australians are dying unnecessarily due to poor health decisions and Catherine shares with us why this is and how we can prevent this for ourselves and future generations i know it's easy to ignore our gut health and our overall health when we are young and basically bulletproof but understanding that it won't always be this way we can start implementing what we learn from this episode to help prevent unnecessary deaths now over to katherine Catherine, welcome so much to the podcast. Super excited to have you on.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Um, so we're going to be talking about naturopath health or gut health specifically. Um, but first, before we get into that, can you tell me a little bit about you? How did you get to where you are? What are you currently up to? Um, what did you do? Did you finish high school? So just your story.
0: Okay. Um, so I'm from Melbourne originally. Um, grew up in the western suburbs of Melbourne. And actually, um, I've got a bit of a bit of a challenging story I guess because when I was 15 years old I dropped out of high school and I ended Mm -hmm. up moving to North Queensland. So I guess the circumstances leading up to that was I grew up in a home with domestic violence. My father was quite violent um, so I had a bit of a tumultuous childhood I guess.
1: So you left on your own?
0: Yeah I did. Oh wow at 15? Yeah. Okay wow. Yeah so what ended up happening was um, got into drug use, ended up addicting to Addicted to heroin At the age of 15 And living on the streets of Melbourne Oh my
1: god I didn't know this
0: Yeah So (laughs) (laughs) So that was kind of A bit of a crazy Six months of my life I guess And a pretty Pretty hard one To be honest But I was very fortunate In that my best friend And her mother Were moving to North Queensland Far North Queensland To the Daintree Rainforest And they said Would you like to come with me Mm. And luckily After some arguments And um, conversations My mother said yes And it, it actually Got me out of there So Obviously Obviously quit heroin, moved to North Queensland and sort of started my life up there. So I failed year nine from lack of attendance when I was 15 years old, moved to North Queensland, started working in cafes up there and in hospitality for quite a while. Just to basically survive? Yeah, just just to survive and as a job and I guess, you know, moving forward. So bars, cafes, I worked Mm. on a river train for, for a short period of time, which was interesting And then I met a family up there. So because all of my family was in Melbourne, I met this family and there was a woman called Jenny who was the mum of the family. And she became like a second mum to me. We were very close and she had a disease called lupus. So lupus is an autoimmune disease, which is quite degenerative. Um, And uh, she just got sicker and sicker. And it was the first time I'd ever observed anybody who was really properly sick. And what I remember is that, The sicker she got, she had this medication cabinet on the bench that I remembered. And as she got sicker, it grew and it grew and it grew, but Mm. she didn't get any better. And I was like, there's got to be a better way than this. As it so happens, I was in a bookstore. I stumbled across a book on herbal medicine and I read it and I was like, this stuff is amazing. How are more people not using this? And I fell in love with herbs and I went and studied um, herbal medicine and naturopathy. I enrolled down on the Gold Coast, moved down there and began my journey into naturopathy then.
1: How did you get into uni without having finished year nine?
0: So private university, there wasn't even fee help, actually, when I started. Oh, wow. So the first year and a half was pretty challenging, scraping by on tax returns and work and that kind of thing. Um, but you didn't need that minimum to get into the college, I think, because it was private. So and I was worried, you know, like I, I enrolled in two subjects to begin with, I think herbal manufacturing and chemistry. And I was like, how am I going to even be able to do this? But
1: so you struggled with fee, you had to pay the fee up front.
0: Yeah. So I, yeah, I had to pay for my subjects upfront to begin and with. That
1: was fee um, done through all your work at cafes and
0: hospitality pubs on the Gold Coast. I was working at at the time, so just scraping by on tax returns, like whatever I could do to pay. And and luckily, fee help came in by about the third or fourth yeah. semester that I was studying. Um, but it was always like a bit of fear around it. Like I didn't even finish high school. I didn't know if I'd be able to do it. And it was definitely challenging. But I think I was always quite academic when I was in school. So mm. it was, I was quite good at problem solving and, you know, all of that stuff. So that's how I kind of got into doing it.
1: Yeah. And mm. so the turning point for you is watching this woman, her cabinet just fill up with all traditional medicine nowadays, um, pills, bottles, all that sort of stuff, and see so not get any better. And so you discover this new one, new to you, herbs and everything, and you, that's how you got to where you are?
0: Yeah, and I, th- I think a lot of people get into healing that way, where mm. they have a family member or a personal healing crisis, and definitely for me, that's what lighted the spark. While I was studying, I think in my second year, unfortunately, I got a phone call from Jenny's daughter, and Jenny had passed away, and she oh. was only 47 years old, um, so that really hit me. She was the first person I knew that I was close to that actually had died, mm. and um, so it was really upsetting. Um, and I, But it did really strengthen my resolve to go, this is crap and we can be doing better for people. And yeah. I guess I've been on that mission ever since.
1: And so you worked as a naturopath and now you've started your own company that's been running for how many years?
0: Almost nine years. Yep. And so yeah. you've
1: just um, built a membership model. You've got a huge company around naturopath. Could you explain to me just really quickly what is Naturopath? Naturop-
0: how do you say it? Naturopathy. Naturopathy. Yeah, yeah. And what it's, is that? It's why it's a word that a lot of people get wrong. Um, naturopathy is a modality where we're looking at you, your whole body. So rather than treating issues in isolation, we believe that everything in the body is connected. So if somebody comes in because they have depression, we're like, well, okay, we you could take an antidepressant, or we could actually look at what is the role of the gut with that, your sleep, your energy, your nutritional mm. status. So largely, we assess. Uh, the person by looking at their whole health every single body system and then we prescribe natural remedies like herbal medicine nutritional supplements and a lot of dietary lifestyle coaching so that their body can heal itself
1: yeah Yeah. so we i had um graham cohen who's the co-founder of are you okay day and he suffered with depression so we talked about that and one of the things he said that he thinks is just as effective as a pill is going for a 20-minute walk every day yeah and, and the,
0: re- the research shows that exercise yeah. is just as effective as antidepressants
1: yeah even if it's as simple not bit i mean if you consider a 20-minute walk exercise it's as simple as just walking out for 20 minutes and that will reduce your depression greatly yeah so and, this, and this is where as naturopaths
0: sort of we really want to kind of look at those factors and and leverage that stuff you know mm. if Will it help you by eating fish every day? You know, will it help you to get out in nature? Will it help you to get sunshine and get vitamin D levels up? So all of these little things add up to how we're feeling day to day?
1: Yeah, awesome. And I think for people when they're in high school, um you're going to high school every day, you're out in the sun just because of your lifestyle, and then suddenly they'll go to like an office job or something. Would that be is that that's, that can be a great hit in terms of vitamin D in terms of activity, in terms of you're suddenly not exercising as much. Um, what do you think about that? Is that a dangerous kind of transition for us to be aware of?
0: Yeah, it definitely is. Um, And the other thing is... Even kids are spending way more time in classrooms than outside mm. or, and way more time inside than outside in their free time as well. But definitely most people are, are having sedentary office jobs. So we're sitting all day long. We don't have the compulsory sports day on a Friday. You yeah. know, we're, just, we're just not made to do it. So it is something that we need to be aware of as you're coming out of high school and growing up is to be able to plan things into your life to actually fill that gap
1: yeah so that's i was saying in the last episode um i don't know why people stop playing sport like you finish high school and you stop playing sport i don't understand it's just like kind of what happens it's like you should keep playing sport you know the benefits are so great um but let's talk about kind of gut health and just general health for when you're young so when you're young you're bulletproof you're not kind of thinking about when you're 30 or 40 or 50 in terms of your health how can we help prevent Stuff going wrong um, when we're older from a young age?
0: So it's really interesting because at Shift we see a lot of younger people, so kids, teenagers. Okay. Um, but the proportion of teenagers you know youth that are sick compared to the elderly obviously is really really different because as we age we're exposed to more stress more environmental toxicity um not you know maybe perhaps not the greatest diet and over mm. time we then develop more and more of this disease burden so what we want to look at is how do we prevent that rather than cure it the difficult thing is that if we have a health problem so let's say for instance you have really bad back pain yep. like it's screaming at you all day long like pain 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 and you're going to look at it you're going to want to actually fix it Mm. Um, but say you're sitting at a desk at your desk every day all day every day doing the same thing you've got bad posture that might lead to back pain but you're not thinking about it you know you're probably like okay well I feel right okay so why would I make a change now but it really is I think important to look at the statistics at at what will happen if you don't look after yourself Um, and you see it around with the rates of obesity etc we all know at least one person that's really quite ill so in Australia 82 percent roughly of people will die of a chronic disease okay so a chronic disease 82 82 percent the majority of people yeah they say nine out of ten but 82 is sort of where it sits oh, yeah. and a chronic disease is preventable largely most are preventable so things like diabetes heart disease mm-hmm. strokes dementia asthma um, uh, chronic depression things like that. So 9 out of 10 people are dying from diseases we can prevent. If you die of a chronic disease, you'll lose an average of 30 years off your life. So if you're like 15, 16, 17, that might feel like a lifetime. You know, times what you've already done by two, that's what's going to be missing. You know, and 50% of Australians right now have a chronic disease.
1: 50% having a chronic disease? Right now. Okay.
0: So at least one chronic disease. Once you get one chronic disease, it leads to another and another and another. And this is why when we're young, it's a really good time to get in and set those healthy habits for life because it changes the way that you'll experience life. Mm. You know, if you're, even if something as simple as being bloated every day.
1: And you feel better. Mm. The thing is when you're, I guess when you don't realize that what feeling better is because you're so used, this is normal for you. You don't realize how much better you can feel. Yeah. Like I woke up this morning, went to the beach and I felt like really good versus yesterday when I slept in and woke up and went on my phone. It's a small difference, but I'm like, oh, I've got to do this every morning. Yeah, It's the same thing, I think, with people who are overweight and they don't realize that not only will you look better, but you'll feel so much better. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think you're right. People will often... Try and get healthy for cosmetic reasons yeah. over actually feeling good. Yeah. But once you do understand health and really can tune in and know your body and what it is like to feel good, it's addictive. Yeah. You know, but most of us we're not taught to tune into our bodies, we're taught taught to ignore things. So it's a little bit like she'll be right, mate, you mm. know, very stoic in Australia especially. But it is important that we understand our bodies and what is normal and what is not, because mm. it isn't normal to be bloated or tired or have anxiety. And these are things that people experience. Every day, and they just accept it as well. That's just how I am. Especially in school, yeah. People
1: have always got anxiety and so much stress. And we were saying like you've got stress now, and like I understand year twelve is very stressful, but when you enter the, it's not going to like die down as soon as you finish year twelve. So you've got to figure out a way to fix the problem. Yeah, pain so You kind of hope. Oh, after exams and I'm into uni, I'll be fine. No, uni's even harder. <laughs>
0: yeah, 100%. And I think there's just so much pressure on kids these days. So much, so yeah. So much. And also, the, and it's becoming better with awareness campaigns around mental Ill, um, health and stuff like that. But a lot of patients that come to us that are kind of in those teenage years they don't know how to explain that they have anxiety or that they're getting panic attacks or that these these mm. emotions and experiences are happening so it means they can't even seek help because they don't know how to explain it
1: yeah well it's because it's normal to this whole instagram thing to even if you're not subconsciously feeling jealous or looking at these people just when you see them on your feed you're, you're subconsciously comparing yourself to them which just helps your anxiety Yep. and helps fuel it and all this stuff that the older generation hasn't dealt with so it's kind of hard for them to understand what it's like going through school with social media because it's rough like yeah. it can be really good but it can be really rough you know open up Snapchat and you'll see everyone at a party that you weren't invited to or all this little stuff that just com- compounds
0: yeah and cyberbullying. Yep, e- cyberbullying even even in a subtle subtle way um,
1: it's so easy it's, to cyberbully yeah you're just sitting there warrior. yeah it's mm. so easy to do Behind yep. hide behind your computer screen.
0: And I do think that, like, people... We need to be aware of this, you know, for young people, is that just be aware that this is what, you know... Facebook and Instagram are trying to do. They Mm. are trying to get you addicted to it and they do want you to use it as much as possible. And you'll notice with Facebook and Instagram that it never ends. There's no end to the scroll. So you could be scrolling for 24 hours and it's not going to (laughs) end. So we need to be really conscious of our social media usage and how it's making you feel day to day. And being aware too that with Facebook and with all the advertising, et cetera, and feeds that you get, that you can tell Facebook what you like and what you don't like.
1: Yeah, so there's actually a way. You can actually go into your settings and if you're always wondering, like, how's Facebook targeting me on this? Um, You can actually click a button and it will show you everything that Facebook has, like, um, put you as. So you have all these interests and you can go through and turn off the ones that you're not interested in. Mm -hmm. Because I always say, because I do Facebook marketing. So I say, Facebook is free. You're going to get marketed to. You might as well get marketed to to stuff that you actually enjoy or like actually can benefit from. And it yeah, it can just be it's just crazy. Do you do a lot of social media stuff when you have younger clients? Do you do you talk to them about that? Yeah. And so you you say, okay, we've got to reduce your usage down or we've got to do this sort of thing.
0: Yeah. So all of the research shows right through from little kids, you know, like toddlers to children, that screen time reduces IQ, that it reduces levels of happiness, that it increases anxiety. Mm. And you mentioned something which is one of the real cornerstones. And I say like no phone in the bedroom. So before you go to bed at night, stop being on social media. First thing in the morning when you wake up, you don't want that in your brain. You want to really wake up and, and really allow your thoughts Process and to kind of really hit the day the way that you want to, not with other people's stuff in yeah. your feed. And
1: that's huge because I stop doing social media in the morning. Um, normally on weekends, sometimes I do, but when I wake up, even if I'm not going, if I just wake up and go to work, just stay off your phone and um, get an alarm clock if you need an alarm. Yeah. Keep it out of your room. Yeah, it's good advice. It's very hard to do though. It, it sounds is. so easy. It's like just keep it out of your room. And
0: it's because it's addictive, mm. right? So if you can't, you need to ask yourself why. Like it's if you if you're like I just can't put my phone down. It's I did a fasting retreat in Bali a mm. few months ago, so like a detox type 10-day retreat and as part of it I was like no social media. Yeah. And uh, in the first few days, every time I would get bored or an emotion would come up or something, I would go to reach for the phone and we use it to fill space. You know, we'll be sitting at a traffic light and we're looking at our phone. Um, People are at restaurants looking at their phone. You don't even do
1: anything. You're just scrolling through feed. It's like, it's just pointless. It's
0: mindless. And it's, it's just something we're not conscious of. And it's kind of crept in, I think slowly. So we can kind of take our power back with that and go, well, I like social media. It's fun. It's part of my life, but I'm going to choose how, not like just this mindless picking it up whenever your mind is mm. blank.
1: So that's a good tip. So I guess we were like talk what we're talking about. Number one, get control of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, what other what other stuff can we do at a young age to prevent chronic diseases or, and kind of have, live a healthy healthy lifestyle?
0: So diet is, is going to be one of the really big ones, thinking about what you eat. Um, and diet's going to depend on what kind of family have you grown up in and what kind of foods have they fed you? Mm. Um, are you a fussy eater? Do you not eat vegetables? Have you always been like that?
1: Well, I always, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in like anywhere up to kind of 13, 14, if the kid is overweight, I think it's because of family and because of how they were raised it's until once you hit 15 and stuff you start to go oh okay I can start going to the gym I can start taking control but before then it's your lifestyle and I don't think it's your fault so I think we can you can start to fix that
0: Yeah, it is true. And it is childhood obesity. It's the parents that need to be educated ultimately. And it's once, you know, you're right around that 13, 14, 15, that you start getting your own education, your own choices, that you can then go, actually, this is what I want to eat and this is how it's going to be. But some of these beliefs that we get and these sort of behaviors around diet through family can be really deep-seated. And you see it in the fussiness, you know, and it can take a little while. And there'll be kids, like we've had patients that will eat no vegetables they'll be like i'll have carrots and potatoes and that is it really, wow. and it's not until they're kind of 17 18 that they're like Oh, actually maybe i need to look at this behavior <laughs> very limiting
1: for really, your options
0: really limiting you know so we have that a lot where it's they'll come in and they're like okay well i like these five vegetables and we have to be a bit creative around it and ultimately plant food prevents disease so fruit vegetables nuts seeds legumes these foods have a thing called phytochemicals in them and phytochemicals prevent disease so a good example might be green tea has catechins in it which prevents diabetes it prevents Mm. heart disease it's good for cognition so they come in and they actually work by improving your own body function and if you don't eat a wide variety of these plant foods and whether you're eating meat or not it means that you're going to be depleted and things just aren't going to function the way that they should
1: yeah right so your, your business is shift. So you basically, you've, you're, I guess you're kind of, I don't know what your tagline is, but it's kind of like instead of coming in when you have the problem, come in and help us prevent you from ever getting the problem. So I guess that's what we're talking about right now. So by having vegetables, by having plant-based diet, not purely plant, plant-based, um, we can help prevent those chronic disease for the future.
0: That's right. And so the other part of it is like what do you want to not eat? Um, and this is where sugar comes in definitely like Mm. way too much sugar way too much soft drink um uh, you know and then binge drinking is a big one as well for youth and it's a difficult one too because it is that there is that culture there of that that that's just what you do yeah and i get it i've been there (laughs) you know no judgment but it is just being aware that if you're not eating any vegetables and you're binge drinking all the time like it is going to take a toll on the body and you're right so we want to really shift that behavior so our business is called shift and we help people shift their health and their life Mm. because because health is the basis for everything. Yeah. So, we, when you have a disease, you can make actions to shift it. But if you can shift some behaviour now, it means that you might not even have to go down that pathway. Which means then it's going to be less stress, less mm. pain, and less money as well when yeah. you have to come and deal with those issues when you get older.
1: Something interesting I love to um, know your thoughts on. Typically speaking, when you look at like successful people, they're always in shape and they're healthy. Why do you think that is? Do you think because when you're healthy, you're more likely to be successful?
0: I think that people who, and, and I mean, we can define success yeah, in a number course, of different of course, ways, yeah. but let, let's say somebody who's, you know, ha- happy, family's good, relationships are good, lots, you know, of money. lots of money, good quality of life, not struggling. That was kind of what I would, you know, see as success. Is that in order to get there, you need a certain mindset. Mm. You know, you can't get there with a negative mindset. You can't get there dragging your feet. Like you do have to have a certain something about you, I feel, to get there. And I feel like people who have that mindset, they are explorative, they're curious. And in that curiosity, part of it is really understanding your own body and really wanting to perform at the best. And you can't perform in the best physically, mentally and energy wise if you don't have that foundation of health. And you'll see um, people who are, let's say successful, that are on the unhealthy side, but it's like a ticking time bomb. Yeah. You, can, you can't be obese and dr- smoking cigarettes like and Kerry drinking Packer five cof- coffees a day without it eventually catching up with you. You know, Clive Palmer, his days are numbered when it comes to that. Yeah. There will be health consequences of treating your body that way.
1: Yeah, and like Packer's a great example. Because didn't he have a heart attack or something? Because yeah, he had the Packer Whacker. So. Yeah. He he helped he introduced the uh um what are they called?
0: Oh, like D Yeah, D Yeah. yeah. He, he,
1: he bought them, he spent like millions of dollars to have them in every ambulance. Yeah, Because right. when he got a heart attack, that's what saved him.
0: There you go. Well, there's a nice um, a negative turning into a positive yeah. story at least.
1: <laughs> but it is true though. Like when I associate success with like what you just said, I associate someone who's in shape. And so I think also it's building the habits in early. So if you're young, if you can go to the gym, if you can look after your body, you're building in habits that are going to transfer over into business or into your job that will make you successful. So if you can have the discipline to wake up and go to the gym or eat healthy or resist eating too much sugar, I think that habit early on can transfer over into your professional life and just um, social life.
0: Yep. And I want to flip it a little bit in... Because it's very easy to say, you just need to go to the gym every day and do that. And I think people need to set that intention and work towards it in the way that's best for them. But also if you're hearing this and you're like, well, but I've tried and I just can't. And you mm. just can't seem to get into the thing. You need to take a step back and look at why. And that why is normally around motivation. It can be around lack of self-love. It can be around emotional issues. So looking at, okay, well, why don't I want to nurture and care for myself? Like what are the layers with that? And that's where it's looking at what's what's going on with mindset emotions. Is there past trauma that you might need to look at? Do you need to look at seeing an emotional wellness expert? And that could be, you know, a psychological psychologist or hypnotherapist mm. or kinesiologist or someone to help you to work on that as well
1: and it, it could be stuff like you know they do, they do some research okay if i want to wake up early like i need to have seven hours of sleep or eight hours of sleep at this age to be healthy but you're, they're still tired maybe the issue is you're on your phone an hour before you get to bed and so when you go to sleep your sleep is not as good as it could be Yeah, it's just stuff like that kind of thinking of like a deeper level in terms of why they can't can't get to where they're trying to be.
0: Yeah, that's right. And it is it is a bit of an art of self-examining. Like, And I've been doing it for 20 mm. years probably from when I started studying to now. And it is something that you need to practice every day and you and know that you're not going to be perfect. So if you're being really good with your exercise routine, there's going to be times where you fall off. You're yeah. going to get you know, an assignment due or something crazy is going to happen or something's going to get in the way of that success and i I think the important thing is just understanding that the health journey is ongoing it never ends and there's going to be ups and downs there's going to be times where you're awesome and there's going to be times where you're not so awesome but the trick is that when you're not so awesome is to just pick yourself back up and then get back on when you can Mm.
1: and that's why people have like dedicated cheat days because if you're going to be healthy for like all the time you're going to crack so if you give those cheat days it can help
0: yeah, you know, and prevent that. you know, I'm not a purist. I don't believe you have to be perfect yeah, of 100% course. of the time. Um, you know, I eat pizza sometimes. Mm. I drink wine sometimes. It's You don't have to be a purist to be healthy. Um, and it's looking at what can I do in my everyday foundation, so the food that I eat every day, the way that I look after my body day to day, so that if it comes to the weekend and I'm doing some stuff outside of that, the impact's not going to be as much and you can get back to that health as soon as you can.
1: Yeah, so I think the message here is by eating a healthier lifestyle, by being healthier, your mind's going to be clearer, you're going to feel better, which is going to lead to hopefully success, Yeah, I think. And so if we can start that young. If you can start avoiding canteen food, if you can uh, avoid mm-hmm. buying a Coke and a pie every day at the canteen and instead just have water, all that sort of stuff, the habits early, it can be very beneficial for later in life and avoid those chronic diseases. Huge. So that, That's a huge number for mm-hmm. everyone to think about. 81%? 82%
0: of you that are listening will die from a chronic disease unless you change your habits yeah Yeah.
1: so let's shift it up a bit and let's talk about gut health so this is what you're very fat you're very um very well known for and that's what your podcast is about Yeah, so
0: my podcast is called The Shift and it's a 12-part audio documentary series all around gut health. So what I did was I flew around the world, US, UK, around Australia, interviewing 25 experts in gut health. So doctors, specialists, nutritionists, naturopaths, and we collated that into a documentary series that Mm. covers everything from how you digest food to chronic disease and its link to gut health to the microbiome and all the bugs living inside of you and all of that stuff.
1: So if you're interested, and what catherine has been talking about you need to listen to this document docu-series the shift yeah it's yep. awesome and so tell me a bit about gut health what is gut health why is it important do we need to be looking after it at a young age
0: gut health is huge so as a naturopath we believe that all disease begins in the gut it's kind of one of our little key sayings that, um, that we have had but the research now is really proving that. So gut health is super important on two main levels. The first one is that your digestive system is where you get your nutrients from. And nutrients prevent disease and help your body to work every day. So even if you're eating the most perfect diet in the world, if your gut health is poor, so if you're getting things like bloating or indigestion or irregular bowel movements or or just that you've been eating the wrong foods that don't benefit your gut health mm. for a long time, which we can talk about, what that means is that you're not going to be absorbing those nutrients and you will have a higher risk of disease. So that's the one part. The other part of it is your microbiome. So the microbiome is a collection of two to three kilos of bacteria and yeast that you have living inside of your gut. Okay? Oh, two to three kilos. And what's really interesting is that you have more bacterial cells in your body than human cells, like by 10 times. And that if I break down the DNA of your body, what happens is that we end up with 99% bacterial DNA and less than 1% human DNA. Wow it is huge uh, so we're learning more and more about it every day but what we do know about the microbiome is that it is one of the biggest factors if not the biggest factor of determining if you're going to catch a chronic disease, catch or develop a chronic mm. disease or not so we know if you search any chronic disease from heart disease to asthma to chronic sinusitis to endometriosis to infertility like you name it search that disease microbiome in pubmed or wherever you're going to get your research articles and you will notice a study come up that shows that a damage of the microbiome is linked is linked to higher rates yeah so it's huge right and our microbiome has been damaged a lot over the years um antibiotics damage the microbiome most people are aware of that so that's a really big one and most people have had at least one or two rounds of antibiotics throughout their life some dozens depending on the hmm. type of conditions and diseases they've had. I
1: right, had my first one a few weeks ago actually
0: oh first ever yeah that's pretty astounding
1: yeah it's the first time I've been to hospital in my life
0: wow well that I mean not wonderful that you've been in hospital yeah, but... but wonderful that it's the first time
1: yeah I've, I've been pretty lucky I don't get problems
0: so a lot of like what to look out for is like for for young people. How, when you were a kid, did you have tonsillitis or grommets or ear infections or, um, you know, chronic chest infections or urinary tract infections or any of this kind of recurrent immune stuff that would have caused you to have those kind mm. of things? So asking your parents, you know, what how many antibiotics did I have? What illnesses did I have is really important. And outside of antibiotics, um, other drugs, so things like um, ibuprofen, will damage the microbiome the oral contraceptive pill can damage the microbiome food that we eat so food Diets that are high in sugar, diet that is high in processed carbohydrates. So anything white, white bread, white rice, crackers, biscuits, stuff like that. Yeah, just generally unhealthy food. Generally unhealthy food and a lack of fiber and good foods in the diet. So not enough fruit, veggies, nuts, seeds, Mm. all those things we were talking about before means that you can't actually feed the microbes in your gut, which live on fiber. So you can see you're probably listening and going, I'm actually ticking a lot of those boxes. And this is why our microbiome. is. so But that's normal for
1: most people to tick those boxes.
0: It is. Yeah. yeah, it is normal. But we need to turn it around yeah. because what's happening is that with every generation, we're getting a more and more degraded microbiome. So your microbiome comes from your mother when you're born.
1: So genetically, we're passing it down to the yeah. Our kids. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yep.
0: So the microbes that are living in your gut right now actually are the same microbes that were living in your mother's gut, mm. largely, and her grandmother and her, etc. which is really fascinating. So the challenging thing is a lot of us are born by cesarean section, so that's obviously going to affect the microbiome because the baby doesn't get that first inoculation as it comes through the vagina. And uh, then a lot of us as young children, maybe not breastfed and there's microbes in the breast milk. So Mm. there's a lot of these modern ways that we live, are affecting our gut health. Just
1: a lot of small things, but over and over, so breastfeeding, the the sugar that's more sugar in food, Mm -hmm. Um, everything adds up and then we pass it on to our next generation and maybe there's more sugar in the next generation who yeah. knows
0: and what we know now is that we're losing entire species of bacteria through mm. the generations and that has huge health consequences yeah so like there's it's interesting people who are obese um tend to be deficient in certain microbes um, so, and this is where the science is really interesting because what will end up happening is, and, and it is a little bit now, we know there's a lot of research on specific probiotic strains that might be good for allergies or autoimmunity, et cetera. But there will come a time where we'll be able to test your poo, have a look at your microbes in the gut and say, these are the bacteria that you need to fix it. It's, oh, it's good. Re- there will come a time, I think, yeah. that that will happen.
1: I think there's a similar thing happening with DNA. People are like, well, if we can get your DNA. We can figure out sort of thing like what, what's going on in your cells and everything and we can give you the right, the right way to fix it I think there's companies that are sending out like packets and you put you put your spit in it or something and send it back and I'll give you like a report yep so of that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, there is. And I think too, it's um, the DNA story is really interesting. I think the microbiome is more important yeah. than your human DNA. because what Sounds the, important to me. Because what the human DNA does is, so say for instance, if your mum has diabetes, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you're going to get diabetes. You may have the genes that show that you're more likely to get diabetes, but it's going to be environment and everything else that so determines she, if it happens She got or diabetes
1: not. because she was raised to eat this sort of food. So she's going to raise her children to eat this sort of food, which is going to lead to you getting diabetes that's right mm. whereas
0: if you change your diet change your microbiome and do some you know do exercise and have a different lifestyle then you're not going to develop those genes and they're not going to click over into that so this is where i think a lot of people get a bit of misconceptions around what is happening like with genetic conditions it's like oh well my mum has this and my grandma has this i'll probably get this is that it actually it's within our control most diseases and whether that's going to happen or not
1: so You've just told us basically everything that can cause damage to the microbiome. How do we prevent this? Is basically what, we, what you've just been telling us, vegetables, exercise, just kind of general health.
0: Yep. There's a lot you can do. Um, veg, like plant foods are the big one because plant foods have fiber and microbes eat fiber and they like lots of different types of fiber. So if you have a very restricted diet where you're not eating many fruit or veggies, or you just like your same meals every day, mm. then the microbiome will suffer. So that's the first thing you need to do is more fruit, more veggies, more different types, like just try and mix a it up a little bit. a variety of different, yeah. Yeah. So if you eat an apple and a banana every day, it might be good to branch out into Berries or pineapple, or just, you know, do some different things. The other, so fiber has prebiotics, and prebiotics feed the bacteria, okay? So you eat them, the bacteria digest the fiber, and that's how they replicate and thrive probiotics are actual bacteria that you're consuming. So you might see probiotic supplements, like say Inner Health Plus is probably the most well-known one. But the other thing you want to be eating is probiotic or fermented food. And this is like probably something that not a lot of kids eat because it tends to be a bit more strong flavored. But yogurt is the most commonly consumed um, probiotic fermented food. But like proper yogurt? Proper yogurt, not not sweet yogurt, not low-fat yogurt, like proper organic fermented yogurt, the sour variety. And then things like sauerkraut or kimchi, which mm. are like fermented vegetables. Kombucha is another really, about really say, popular one.
1: When I think of gut health, kombucha is in themselves as it's really good for your gut health.
0: Yeah. And it can be, but it's... I, the problem with kombucha is it's very high in sugar and you should only have a little bit. So if you have like a normal, let's say, 300ml bottle of kombucha, that should last you four or five days. Mm. But people drink it like a soft drink, yeah, yeah? Right. so they'll end up consuming the whole bottle. So there and is expensive. It is, yeah, it is. So I think
1: that's a problem I find is people know they need to be eating healthy food like this sort of stuff, proper yogurt, but the cheap the bad yoga is so much cheaper. Yeah. And so that's where I find an issue comes in for people who are probably listening going, Yeah, I know I need to be eating this, but I can't afford it.
0: Yeah. And this is where you need to get a little bit savvy and start making your own. Mm. So for instance, organic sauerkraut fifteen dollars a jar, like for a big jar. If you buy an organic cabbage for four dollars, you could literally make four jars of that in your home and all you need is salt and a jar and cabbage. And Google. Yeah, and Google. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's very, very easy. I can actually give you a link for the show notes if you want yeah, to awesome. a recipe. Um, so if, if you are a little bit that way inclined, like, and you like getting in the kitchen, you can make it really cheaply. Same with kombucha, you make your own, it's cost nothing. And
1: probably like a, on a big scale as well, in a big, massive jar.
0: Yeah. And better for you because there's going to be less sugar mm. if you make it yourself. So there there are different options. I think you need to just be a little bit savvy. And I mean, students are resourceful. Yeah. They <laughs> you, need to be. Yeah. You need to be, you know, so rather than kind of going for the two minute noodles, you want to be making your own sauerkraut, completely different worlds. Yeah.
1: I think it's funny Funny kombucha you, you say that because you'll go to like a porto or you go to maybe not a porto but like schnitz which is a place near and they, they've got kombucha and you always have that person who will drink kombucha like kind of thinking that they're healthier but if they're doing it every time they eat out and having a kombucha every time you're saying that's not actually good for you.
0: No, too much sugar. Yeah. You end up, you end up, it kind of outweighs the benefit. You'll still get the bacteria but then you're pouring sugar onto it and if you... What that will do is the sugar will feed the yeast in the gut, which will crowd out the other bacteria. So if you think of the gut bacteria a bit like a rainforest so you know with the rainforest you've got like the big trees Mm. the small shrubs the canopy up above you've got on the on the base leaf litter rotting trees like there's a whole ecosystem of different stuff going on the gut bacteria is the same so if I go into a rainforest and I take out the canopy what will happen is that the trees that are below will grow bigger the floor and the leaf litter and the moistness around there's going to be wrong and it's going to change the entire ecosystem and the animals that live there and that's what will happen with our gut so if we're consuming too much sugar, for example, we're feeding the candida and fungal organisms, which will then crowd out other stuff and change the diversity.
1: That's a great metaphor. Mm. That made it really easy to understand. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So kombucha is good in, time, in in small amounts.
0: Small amounts, yeah. So if you want to go out and grab one, like just have half a bottle, Yeah. you know, and take the rest home, have it tomorrow. Okay.
1: I don't know that. Mm. It's very... um People... It's kind of like, you know, the, the cliche vegans. People have a kombucha and they're like, oh yeah, I'm healthy. Yeah. And But really, they don't realize... There's lots of sugar. So you it? saying there's more sugar in kombucha than soft drink?
0: No, there's definitely not more than soft so drink. So it's still so better than soft if drink. If you're going yeah, to yeah. have to make a choice, definitely kombucha is the way to go. But it is still relatively high in sugar if you're talking from a health perspective. Compared to like water and stuff. Yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. compared to water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome.
1: Um, before we wrap up, I've got a, I have got ai like to ask all my guests one final question. And that is, if you had one piece of advice for the younger generation, it can be anything you want. It doesn't have to be health related. What would it be?
0: My advice is to really look within and to really begin to get to know yourself. You know, I feel like as we grow up, it's, it's all about everything else. It's about learning, doing, like, and finding your place. Mm. But we really need to get to know ourselves at a younger age. Most people don't get to really understand themselves until they're kind of in their late 20s, 30s. Yeah. But I think you have a really good opportunity just to start observing yourself. Like, what is your thought process? Like, how is your body functioning? And maybe even going to see somebody that can actually help you to understand this stuff. And there's so much information online that you can dive into this thing but knowing and understanding your body is one of the most precious gifts that you can give yourself
1: yeah awesome and so you just you'd suggest by starting by just researching online
0: yeah follow me yeah and other other health people like see see what's going on join some facebook groups yeah. um uh, you know read up on stuff but there's lots of free information definitely and
1: where can i find you
0: So Instagram, Catherine Maslin, Mm -hmm. K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-M-A-S-L-E-N. Obviously, listen to The Shift podcast. If you just search The Shift in any podcast platform, you'll find that there. Or you can go to CatherineMaslin.com.
1: And all your links are in your bio for your Instagram anyway. So that's probably the best place to go.
0: That's right. Awesome.
1: Catherine, thanks so much for coming on.
0: Thank you. It's been great.
1: Awesome. Alright, if you are still here, thank you so much for listening to this entire episode. If you got some value out of it, it would mean the world to me if you left a review on iTunes or shared it with your friends or family. Otherwise, I'll be putting up videos of this episode on Instagram and Facebook. So check it out there at Byron Dempsey or at Driven Young Podcast. And I'll see you on the next one.